Um, All right. Yeah. With that being said, um, Estonian Henry Jarrell, or is it Henry? I don't know. But um, regardless, I saw him play against uh, Vrenz Vleisenberg and took no notes because I didn't know he was important at the time. So, But I, other people knew he was important, and I didn't know, so shame on me. Anyway, uh, Ignacio, without further ado, uh, speak on the man that played for the worst team in the second division of Germany. Yeah, um, Drell plays, like you said, for Baunach uh, in Germany's second tier. Um, he's a three slash four. He's a combo forward, a six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan and an eight foot nine, eight foot ten standing reach. Uh, turned 19 years old in, in April. Um, and he's, we talked about six foot nine guys uh, being able to handle the ball. Um, this is a six foot nine guy being able to handle the ball. And Drell is, first of all, a scorer. Um, he can get to the rim. He's really good getting to the rim and attacking the defense. Um, not someone who's going to create a lot of space of handles, but he's uh, quick enough to uh, attack mismatches. So if you put a big guy on him, he's going to take him off just sheer quickness and if you put a smaller guy on him he's going to back down to the rim um then he can also create shots uh as a as a pull-up shooter uh which is pretty much his specialty uh he has a real good shooting touch he can i i love how he can call screen and get into those little pockets of space and get his shot off from there um mostly a mid-range pull-up guy at this point, but he can make the occasional pull-up three. And he's just a guy that he's going to get you buckets. Uh, just you give him the ball, uh, you create a mismatch, and he's going to take advantage of that. Um, the bad thing with uh, Drell is that I didn't find him not playing for Estonia at the under-18 Division B tournaments in FIBA past summer, and not also not playing for Baunach. And last year he played at Adidas Next Generation Tournament, if I recall correctly. He played for um, Bamberg, I think. I, yes. I, I, yeah. I, in, in any three of those settings, I never found him to be uh, efficient. Um, this year, 50% true shooting on 40% from the field, 30% from three, and 67% from the line. Um, so he's not a guy that's uh, whose main attraction is his efficient shooting or his efficient scoring. And that also uh, takes part in how many bad shots he takes. Shot selection... This is an issue for him. Also, driving to the rim with no plan, turning the ball over. Um, that's that's an issue for him. And it's not just shot selection where you see him take a shot and it was like, oh, there were better um, offensive uh, plays to make. Yeah, that can happen to any prospect. These are like, I don't know if I can curse in this podcast, but... It's fine. It's like it's like turnaround mid-range jumpers me there with 20 seconds on the shot clock. You go like, what the fuck was that? It's, uh, you know, with Drell, it's like there's no between. He does something amazing for his size and for his age at one possession. The next possession, if you're the coach, you want to get him to the bench uh, because that... that he plays like polar opposites at times, like there's two Henry Drells. Um, the thing that I like and where I think he compensates is on defense. Um, he has, I think he has potential as a versatile defender. Uh, he's quick to rotate when two other teammates are going to into a double team. He knows when to rotate. When he has to defend up in the perimeter, he has quick feet. And he can contain, I don't want to say you want him matched up against, you know, point guards. But I think he can handle some shooting guards and most small forwards. He, I think, still lacks a lot of strength 
to face uh, bigger fours and fives, but he has that potential where he can be a positive on on defense. And finally, with Drell, I think that one thing we need to see is how he develops as a passer. Um, this season, he had two assists to three turnovers. I don't remember a single tournament or a single event where he ended up with a positive assist to turnover ratio. But he makes some reads at times where you see that the vision is there and the willingness to pass is there. I think he just needs to, if he could turn down bad shots and make better passes and turn them into better passes uh we could be talking about uh, at least uh, uh, a mid second round draft pick but if you like efficiency uh if you like you know players that are really polished and make good decisions and know how to play i i i understand that you can be kind of skeptical around uh, henry drell all right Indeed. So um, I have two things to say about Drell, although it has actually not a whole lot to do with Drell. But Bibbs, you got anything to add before I go into that? Um, not really. Um, I, I will say that uh, a lot of people, when they think of a raw player, they think of a player that's just athletic, that doesn't have a lot of skill. But Drell, I see him as a raw player in the sense that he has a lot of different skills. He just hasn't figured out how to put it all together to make him a efficient player as uh, Ignacio was saying. Um, that's I think there's a that's lot an excellent there. point. That's an excellent point. Yeah. All right. So uh, with all those points being given out, there are two things I would like to put out there. Number one, um, does Bamberg still own his rights or is he like fully on Baunek? Uh That's a really good question. I don't know. Um, I, I don't really know. I think he's on Baunek. Um but Baunach, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm blank. I'm drawing a blank here. But I think Baunach is um, the team where uh, Bamberg players go to play in the second division. So they're like a G League team from Bamberg, if I recall correctly. All right, because well, for first off, Baunach were far and away the worst team in that division so i'm pretty sure they got relegated <laughs> so that's not ideal for bomberg sending any of their young talent down there um and if bomberg does own his rights and he doesn't and Drell doesn't end up in the nba or he ends up getting stashed over in europe again and he ends up playing in the second division of germany again um it'd be cool to see him end up on a somewhat better team um also, shout out to uh, one of the German coaches in that division that I know that helped me figure out how to access film mm -hmm. for that division. Uh, Enrico Kufor, <laughs> Kufor uh, assistant coach for uh, PS Karlsruhe, head coach uh, by um, Ivan Rudej. So uh, uh, appreciate you, uh, Enrico, for helping me with that a lot. And uh, I can't wait to get back in touch with you again. Um, with that sorry. being sorry, Just go ahead. Check just checked and uh, Baunach uh, has like this agreement with Bamberg that uh, they regularly send uh, young players uh, from Bamberg to play in Baunach. So it's like a testing Affiliate ground club? slash... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, for sure. Well, they'll pro if he ends up back there again, it wouldn't be quite as nice to see him playing in the third division of Spain. In Spain. Psst, wrong country. Germany. But, um, you know, yeah, it'll needs, be what it'll be. He needs, he needs minutes in the first year on starting next year for sure. And if he doesn't, then he maybe should move on to, to another league or to another team because he needs that, that hike in competition uh, to, really be, uh, to really develop and to be a, a better prospect or a prospect that gets more hype. Yeah, for sure. And um, I will say it'd be kind of cool to see um, OBS, OBS if he stays, or OBSA if he stays in Germany for another year, even after getting drafted, he ends up getting stashed back in Germany. I would love to see an OBSA versus Drell matchup. <laughs> so that'd be cool as well. 
But with that being said, we got to get moving a little. So um, next up, uh, we have, is it Avtodor or, Avtod- I don't know how to pronounce it, Avtodor Saratov. Avtodor Saratov. Avtodor Saratov's own yes. Nikita Mikhailovsky. Uh, that's just first attempt pronunciation there. Um, got to see him match up versus OBSA in a game, and then also got to see him play Wurzburg um, Wurzburg in a game without OBSA for some reason. Um, so Ignacio, I'll hand it off to you, and then I'm gonna read through my notes. Yeah. So pretty sim- quickly uh, moving through Mikhailovsky, which I a player that I don't really see uh, really staying in the draft this year, but he can maybe get drafted at, at the back end of the second round. Um, Mikhailovsky is pretty much a shooter. Um, this guy has a super quick trigger three-point shot. Um, he has a super quick release. He has a high release that is hard to contest for wing defenders. Uh, let's remember that Mikhailovsky is six foot eight, and he really gets elevation on on his jump shot. So for European wing defenders, it's, it's really hard to, to contest his shot. Um, and he has shot the ball pretty well, uh, 64% true shooting this year on uh, 50% from the field, 43% from three, and 84% per, uh, from the line. Um, and I think that's the main attraction in offense with Mikhailovsky, just the, the jump shooting. And that's what I think he would bring to the NBA if, if he gets drafted and, and makes his way here. Um, he has shown some quickness uh, to attack closeouts, some flashes of body control on the move. Um, I think that he's not really, there's not much explosiveness uh, there. So even though he's six foot eight, he's not someone who has a, you know, ability to really finish efficiently at the rim. So that that's why he hangs mostly on the perimeter. Um, and that also, that lack of explosiveness, his lack of measurables, since he uh, has a six foot eight wingspan and an eight foot eight standing reach, uh, those uh, are limitations for him as a defender. Um, I, as a defender, there's, you know, the good and the bad. The good is that I think he's a really high IQ player. Um, he knows where to be on the floor. Um, he's really active on defense. He navigates through screens. He rotates on time. Uh, but, you know, just the measurements and the lack of um, the lack of strength that at this point and the lack of um, explosiveness make him kind of a liability when he has to defend closer to, to the rim. So I think Mikhailovsky, if you want a guy that can really shoot the ball, that is a pure shooter, and that has shown some flashes of getting to the rim, and if you can trust that he can you know, improve his strength and his, improve his touch around the rim and his touch against contact, then he's probably a guy that you should keep in mind for, for the second round. Especially since he uh, he's still 18 years old, he will be 19 uh, in September, so he's still pretty young in his career. All right. Um, so, and uh, one of the biggest things about Mikhailovsky for me, in terms of concerns, really, was whenever I saw him having to create against a player that was set. It was he was having a lot of trouble. I saw him get stopped multiple times on baseline drives, and he just really seemed to struggle to create for himself. And then another time where he received a ball off the catch, he then tried to cross over his opponent and proceeded to stumble and then jack up a three-point shot and completely miss any sense of rim. So it's not ideal either that he can't really shoot, or at least he, from what I've seen, he seems to not have the best time shooting off the dribble or at least off creation dribble and not just off like a rhythm dribble. Um, Ignacio, do you have anything to say about that in particular? Yes, I agree. I agree. I think uh, this is a guy that he does his damage uh, pretty much exclusively off the catch. Um, When he can attack the lane and he can get to the rim, it's either on a closeout or getting a ball uh, when he's wide open or when he's making a cut. 
and when he shoots, he is a pretty good shooter off the catch, but he doesn't have the fluidity in his handles to really, you know, create space or to, you know, when he gets pressured, uh, if he gets double teamed, he can really handle his way out. He needs to either pass the ball or like you watching that play, he has to, you know, take a heavily contested shot that he's probably going to miss. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Bibbs, I don't think you had much of an opportunity to watch him. Am I correct? I've actually gotten, uh, over the past like few minutes, I went and watched some video of him, just some quick stuff to get an idea of what we were working with. Um, if I'm a team like this, if the Spurs draft him, I'm not going to be surprised. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going to say. Um, he looks like a very strong candidate to be stashed for a couple of years and then come over and start hooping and people be surprised by. Um, the fact that he's already, I think, shooting like 44% from three this year. Um, did you say he was 6'8", Ignacio? 6'8", yes. Okay, because I saw him listed at 6'6", six, six, so he's grown a little bit. Uh, he is very skinny, so he needs to add some weight. Um, he seems like he might be able to develop some wiggle on his drives. Like I've seen him do a lot of Euro steps and put up some acrobatic finishes in traffic. Uh, so I, I'm, based on what you guys were saying from full games and him getting cut off and things like that, that's probably something that that's probably his key to his development is figuring out what to do off the bounce, whether it's finding guys or uh, developing a floater game or a pull-up jumper. Um, but right now it's a pure shooter already and a guy that's 6'8 and can put the ball on the floor a little bit, handle it. I've seen him, like, back out for isos and try to take his man off the dribble. Um, I like his upside in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. For me personally, whenever I see players like this, and sure, it's somewhat important to develop that handle, and that's probably one outcome to a ceiling. I think the biggest thing for him is I want to see him turn into, like, the ultimate, like, hustle shooter uh, got on the floor. Like I want to see him become like the next Ryan Brokoff or something. <laughs> just, just because Ryan Brokoff is one of those guys who's always been somewhat skinny, if not completely skinny. In fact, he always looks like Ryan from accounting. And um, with his his hustle on the court, it, with his shooting ability uh, and his ability to get after on the glass, despite being so skinny, is probably what makes him so valuable. Uh, for being a guy that's going to play like eight minutes a game at this point, it feels like in the NBA, even though he might even deserve to play more. And for some of the season, it felt like he was getting robbed of minutes by Rick Carlisle or potentially by um, some other conspiracy called the T word or a battle of armored vehicles. But, um, Oh my gosh. Anyway, that's for another podcast. Um, (laughs) Is there anything else to mention about Mikhail Oski or the time move on to Paula Bua of um of a uh, Stella Zor fame and now on Rosetta Sharks? Just a quick note on um, Mikhailovsky. I think that, like uh, Bib said, he's a pure shooter, and you know pure shooters uh, have their value at the back end of of the draft. So it wouldn't surprise me if he gets drafted, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he goes back and, you know, comes back in one or, or two years. Um, there, there's value in doing just one thing and being elite at, at that one thing. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of really good shooters that do one good thing out there. So, yeah, that, that's my thing with Mikhailovsky. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to pick Mikhailovsky in a draft where you already have like Cam Johnson and Davida Servitas. <laughs> right, so with me, it's all about, like I don't think he's a guy that you want right now, and I, I definitely am not somebody that wants a guy that's just a shooter. Like anytime somebody tells me a guy's a shooter, I'm always looking for, okay, what else can they do if that's taken away? Because a team's not going to let a guy just sit in the corner and hit threes on him all night. Uh, so he's got to have something else to his game. I like uh, Mikhail's uh, potential to develop that other thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely hope for the best for his career. And he, he, at the very least, is at the ideal competition level, which cannot be said for a lot of these other prospects, including our next man, 
<laughs> Paul Abua, who I already said, played for uh, of Stella Azor fame, where <laughs> that level of competition was excellent. You're talking about for for a young player anyway. Adidas Next Generation Tournament, and then he ends up going from there to Second Division Italy. So. I mean, it might be a somewhat higher level just because it is pros and it's experienced, but at the same time, it's second division. So I don't know how much I can speak on that in terms of anything. And I only found one of his second division games on YouTube. So if you want me to send that to you, I can help you out. But uh, Ignacio, uh, what to say of Stella Zora fame, Palabua? Yeah, Ebua, uh, born in Cameroon, uh, playing right now for the Rosetto Sharks in the Italian second division, like like you said. Um, the thing with Ebua, I really like his uh, physical profile: uh, six foot seven with a seven foot two wingspan and an eight foot eight uh, standing reach. Uh, a really wide frame, uh, a guy that can really take contact in both ends of the floor. Um, and the guy that is decently explosive, he can elevate for blocks, he can elevate to, you know, get to the rim for dunks, for rebounds. So the physical profile, the physical tools, tools are there, and and there are interesting. Um, he's also, I I don't want to say super fluid with the ball in his hands, but for someone who has such a role as this, you know, guy that goes below the rim and, you know, pounds his way to, to the rim. Um, he has really good touch and good fluidity with the ball in his hands. Uh, but with Ebua, I think at this point, it's all flashes. Um, there's some shooting potential. Uh, he only shot 31% from, from three this season, but... The shooting touch is there, and there's decent mechanics, especially in the upper body. I, I, the the lower base seems kind of shaky, but the upper body mechanics and the touch are there. But he's not like he's not not Mikhailovsky. He's not like uh, a pure shooter. Is he's someone whose shooting is secondary? Then you have the ability to get to the rim. Uh, yes, he can make a short drive. He can put the ball on the floor. Uh, he has decent body control for his size, but he's not someone who's going to create space off, off the handle. He's not someone who's going to wow you and get by defenders with a quick first step. Um, and, you know, the only thing that I see him do consistently, sorry, consistently on offense at this point is catch and finish situations below the rim. Uh, that combination of toughness and length and touch and, you know, ability to elevate, uh, make him a really good below the rim player, uh, a really good guy to throw the ball on the post and just let him go to work. But again, he's six foot seven. And he might be able to do that at Adidas Next Generation Tournament or the second division in Italy. Uh, he's not going to do that at the NBA level. Um, he, so that's what I'm worried worried about with uh, Ebua, uh, that he has a lot of flashes in a lot of aspects, but in other things on offense, I don't know if he does like this one thing extremely well that grants him a, a roster spot at the NBA level. And then on defense, um, there's the good and the bad too. He's pretty active on the position-wise. He loves to rotate. He loves to switch onto smaller, bigger guys. Um, I, I really like his ability to defend in transition, to backtrack. He is really good backtracking, and he can stop like two on one fast breaks or three on two fast breaks. And for his size, he's the guy that really knows how to navigate through screens to, to chase shooters. On the other hand, I look at his tape again and again, when he has to defend a pick and roll, when he's asked to defend the big guy in the pick and roll. And this is a guy that looks lost on, on pick and roll time and time again. Um, he never is on a good position to either 
stay with big or contest a possible pull-up shot and that that's kind of worrying for me because even though he's pretty active on defense and he has those flashes where you see that he knows where he needs to be it's like every time he faces a pick and roll um he just i don't know if it's lack of experience or if he just freezes but it, it it happens often in games and and at the NBA level it could be even worse. Yeah, um, sorry, I I got caught away with something else for a second. But um, did you get much of an opportunity to see him in second division Italy? Because I know film on that appears to be scarce. Yeah, I had limited film. I couldn't uh, get to watch a full game. It was mostly you know five minutes clips from from games from him and condensed games and i feel like the i don't want to say the uh the level of competition i don't want to say it was similar to adidas next generation tournament but he faced better players better you know stars better single players at adidas next generation tournament than he faced in in the second division in Italy. Like, for instance, last year in the finals where he played for Stella Azzurra, he played against David Cervides, where it, and it was that tournament where Cervides was on fire, where he just torched everyone, including Stella Azzurra. And now in Italy, he there's not so much star power, but there are more like uh, physically tough guys, more uh, guys that are polished and more ready for the pro game than in this next generation tournament. I don't know if that makes sense, but individually there's more star power in Adidas next generation tournament, but in terms of teams and in terms of the average player, uh, there's uh, more good players in that Italian second division. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I like I said. I think I've, before. I think I found exactly one full game from uh, his Italian days in the second division. Um, hopefully, we can see him play at a higher level, but it seems unlikely at this point in time that he's realistically really going to be heading over to the NBA. Just because we haven't even seen him play at a high level in Europe yet, it, it, the highest level being like arguably even the, the Adidas Next Generation tournament or. If it's more your taste, say he's highest level second division Italy because it's more more well rounded. But either way, both of them are not high enough levels to really bring him over to the NBA yet for me. I just need to see more, um, more competition. Um, anything else to add before we move on to um, Carlos? Uh, not Carlos Allison. Sorry, I had a brain fart. Um, Adam Makoka of uh, Mega Baymax. One quick thing, uh, he's uh, he turned 19 in February. I don't know if I said that. So he's still young. This is the first year that he's um, actually eligible for a draft. So if he, you know, uh, withdraws and goes back to Europe for a year, uh, he can he can make a comeback in in the next few years. So he's t- he's one of the young guys in this draft. So it it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Europe and improves. Uh, that level of of competition and and comes back indeed so with that being said it is about that time move on to kk mega baymax's own adam okoka uh defensive combo ish guard extraordinaire uh this is one of the few times where i might let bibs take this one first unless you want to head off to ignacio first bibs because i think you had a pretty good look at makoka if i am correct uh yeah, I can I can start. That's fine. Um, I've watched probably three or four games of his over the past year or two. Um, so with Makoka, he's another one of those French guys. And as I said this year, I'm doing my best not to fall in love with every French basketball player I watch. Um, but Makoka is a guy that I think probably has a good chance at a future in the league. Six four one ninety, I believe I have him listed as. Uh, so he's got a good athletic body, uh, long arms. He is a defensive specialist. I've seen people compare his defensive uh, pressure, his on-ball pressure to Patrick Beverly. Um, 
He's a pesky defender, and that's what probably his selling point coming into the next level. Uh, on offense, he's very quick with the ball in his hands. He makes some passes, but he does turn over the ball a good bit right now. Uh, I think he's a pretty good finisher in traffic and has some pretty good uh, elevation uh, when finishing in the, at the rim. Uh, but right now, um, I'm not sure I can say he's going to be a draft pick this year necessarily. I think he is 20, uh, but he's definitely a guy that, that teams are going to have an eye on if, if they're looking for a defensive specialist with upside. Yeah, um, I really agree on that. Uh, Mokoka, one of the best defensive prospects in, in the international class this year. Uh, still 20 years old, will be 21 by, by July of this year. Um, offensively, and trying to concentrate a bit on his offensive side of the ball, uh, Mega used him as a pick-and-roll operator. operator. Um, this is a guy that really knows how to use screens to his advantage, whether it is to pass the ball to the big or to drive to the rim. Um, he's decently explosive, so once he can use a screen, he can turn that corner and get to the rim and, and finish well at the rim. Um I love the patience he plays with when he's operating in that pick and roll. Um, he, if he doesn't like what he sees, he doesn't like uh, the the opposing team defense. He he never rushes things. He just goes back and you know tries to create something again. So so I like that, and I like his decision making on the pick and roll um, as a scorer. Um, I don't really see him creating that much of the bounce. Um, he can get to the rim if he's helped with the screen or if he can attack a closeout, but he's not a guy that's going to be uh, the primary scorer for any unit at the NBA. Um, and even if he plays uh, at the one for, for Baymax, I think he, can, he has the size to play at the two at the NBA level, um, he uh, I have him listed at six foot five in shoes with a six foot ten wingspan, and that six foot ten wingspan allows him to play even bigger than his size. That wingspan and that uh, the frame, the body, he's uh, really developed at this stage. So I think he can be, if if a team drafts him to be, let's say, a second unit point guard or if he drafts him to be a third string point guard I don't think you're going to get as good results as you would get drafting him as a defensive specialist at the two position that can create something in a secondary level uh, let's say. Defensively it's like Biv said uh, I think this guy is excellent defensively um, and in, in, in all areas of defense this he can get into uh, the handler's face. He can pressure uh, them into mistakes, into losing the ball. Um, he can uh, he can pressure full court. I love that. Um, and when once he's uh, once he's ne not near the basket, but once he's at the perimeter, and the the opponent is trying to attack him off the dribble, he really knows how to keep. Uh, how to keep up laterally at the point of attack. I, I, I really like that. Uh, when he's defending as a team defender and, you know, his opponent calls for a screen, he can really go under or over the screen and the results are always pretty much the same. This is not a guy that fouls if he goes over the screen and if he goes under, I like that he's long enough to contest a possible pull-up shot. And if he's defending big guys, uh, if he's switched onto big guys, he doesn't shy away from the challenge. He can really post up. Uh, sorry, he can really defend post-ups and his six foot ten wingspan helps him deny uh, entry passes. So he's a multi-positional, possibly a multi-positionally defender. I don't think um, maybe not someone you would want like um, 
defending fours and fives at the NBA level full time. He can defend them occasion, occasionally, but I think as a one, two, three defender, he he's going to be really capable. Um, if the thing with Mokoka is that if you want to uh, draft him for his defensive uh, abilities plus uh, some on-ball creation and some shooting off the catch. Uh, and when I mean on-ball creation, I mean pick-and-roll creation mostly. If you draft him for that, then he's going to be a good bet for you. If you want him to also do other things that lead initiators do, if you want him to create for himself off the bounce, if you want him to shoot pull-ups, then this is not going to be your guy. <laughs> yeah, and I will add, um, just going back to what you were saying about shooting off the catch, um, I think he shot about 30% from three this year, um, but I like his form. Like, his shot doesn't look broken. He probably needs more reps. So, again, I do love his potential to develop as a 3 and D guy who, like you said, can handle some uh, primary ball handling and pick and roll setups or something like that. So potentially an ideal like backup guard off the bench that can, you can throw in the starting lineup if you have a guy that you need to just clamp. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, I guess this is something that can be a bit more difficult to like see on film unless you're paying like very particular attention to facial like expression or like something in particular that you define as it being this. But um, does he have the same um, in like crazy man defensive intensity as a Patrick Beverly in your eyes? Without the talking aspect, like I don't think he's necessarily going to be talking a lot of trash, but the intensity as far as like getting in your face, having his arms extended and bothering you 100%. And I would say the, the type that's not necessarily talking may be even more frustrating because you don't know what he's thinking. It's like Kawhi because he's robotic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I do have a question. I, you pay, probably pay more attention to this than I do, Ignacio. Um, mm-hmm. well, was Makoka on that team with Dumboya and, and Frank? Oh, Frank I, don't, I don't really remember. Sorry. I'm, if, if he was, I could imagine I, I, scoring I, like 10 I, points a game. <laughs> I think he was, but I, I honestly, at that time, just paid attention to Nilekina. And there was this guy who I was like, who is this guy? He, a six foot nine guy who was amazing. And I went and he was 16 years old. And it, it was, in fact, Segurumbuya. That's the first time I, I heard of him. Um, actually, I'm, I'm checking Real GM. He was at that uh, under 18, uh, sorry, under 18 team that won gold at the European Championship. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't remember him, but that defensive backcourt between Mokoka and Milikina had to be, had to be amazing. Yeah. All right. I just, just a random side team because I mean, all those guys are very good defenders and yeah, I can imagine yeah. that was hell to play against them. <laughs> Indeed. So now we have reached the rapid-fire segment of this episode featuring a bunch of guys who are almost certainly not going to be involved in this draft, really, but are still somewhat important to consider in the future. So first off, we have uh, Delibor Illich, uh, who plays for BC Igokea, first attempt um, from the ABBA League in uh, the Adriatic League, of course, and... uh, I forgot what country, but one of the countries in the Balkans, uh, uh, Ignacio. Bosnia. Bosnia. All right. Well, without further ado, uh, Ignacio, lob for the jam on this one. <laughs> Running quickly through um, Dalibor Illich profile. Um, if you guys heard, uh, listened to our first uh, episode talking about international guys, we talked about some guys that were in the Serbian team that won uh, the under-18 championship in Europe this year. They had uh, Soran Paunovic, uh, Filip Petrusev, who's playing for Gonzaga, uh, and some other guys that were uh, draft prospects. And, well, Dalibor Illich was one of those guys uh, in that team that was really stacked with talent. Uh, Illich is a kind of a weird case uh a six foot eight guy with a six foot eleven wingspan 
built like a tank. He's really strong. Uh, this year he played at the Junior Adriatic League for a few games and he looked like a man amongst boys there. Um, just he was really assertive to, you know, just push people with his size. Um, but also for someone that has that size and that power on the block, he's a guy that can really pass the ball. He can um, handle the ball a bit on, on the perimeter and he has really good basketball IQ. Um, in fact, this season, not counting the Junior uh, Adriatic League, because those stats were kind of... Uh, there were eye-popping stats, but all the guys we mentioned were talking about uh, stats at the pro level, at the senior level. So if we bring Illich stats at the Junior uh, ABA League, uh, they're, they're going to be out of place. But this year, playing professionally, he uh, had 1.9 assists to 0.9 turnovers per 36. So that, and, and you can see that he's a guy that has some ambition to pass, at least on a secondary level. Um, the question with Illich is going to be, is and will be the shot. Uh, he's shooting 39%. Uh, from three this year on 1.5 three-point attempts per game. But up until this year, he never really shot threes that well. So I don't know if I would buy in into him really shooting threes at, at this point or if this uh, uh, just recent stretch of plays is, is, is a fluke. In fact, uh, in that uh, Serbian team that won gold in 2018, he didn't shoot a single three. And now he comes back and shoots 39%. So I, I, I wouldn't get caught up in that 39% and think, oh, this guy is a shooter or a stretch four because I don't, I don't really trust the shot. But he's a peculiar... Um, post player that has some passing, some slashing and making short drives. And if he can get the shot down, if that shot becomes something consistent, then he's a really interesting guy from for next year's draft and for next few drafts since uh, he was born in 2000. So he just turned 19 years old. But if the shot doesn't come down, I don't really see him being more than a guy that can create offense on the post and pass occasionally, which is good for Europe, but might not be good for the NBA. All right, so I think that's probably about the most complete rapid-fire profile on Dali Boyle that you're going to get out there in a podcast. Um, moving on to Asvel's own uh, Amine Nua, playing rather significant minutes uh, in a serious competitions. So he has that going for him, at least. Uh, Ignacio, lob for the jam on this one, too. Nua, uh, already 22. So he's auto-eligible. He's going to be in this year's draft no matter what. Um, plays for Asvel in France in the French first year. Um, kind of a guy, I, I like that Nua knows his role. That's I like how he understands his role as a three and D guy. Um, he's six foot eight uh, in shoes with a seven foot wingspan. Um, not a super um, uh, consistent shooter, but shoots it at a really good clip at at thirty six percent. Defensively, he is really quick off his feet. I I really love how he can turn his hips. And if he's late to react to that first step, he just can turn his hips and uh, recover at, at the rim. And he's a switchable defender uh, at six foot eight. Um, he can uh, stay in front of ball handlers, but also uh, switch uh, onto bigs and reject shots at the rim. Um, the shot... Uh, it, he is a good shooter, but I have some problems with his mechanics. Um, he's, I, I love how quick he is into getting into the shooting motion, how he's always aligned to the rim, especially shoulders squaring up to, to the rim. 
um, and the follow through is is really good. But at times he needs to uh, he needs time to get his shot off if he doesn't get the ball in in a comfortable area. Um, he's pretty much that at this point. Uh, he's already 22. I don't see him uh, becoming someone who is going to create offense for others or even create offense for himself. So if you want uh, a, a cheap option uh, as a 3 and D guy that's more developed physically than other 3 and D guys we talked about in this podcast, like let's say uh, Mikhailovsky, uh, then probably Nua is, is your guy. I don't know if he gets drafted. I think that this is, uh, but I think this is mostly a guy that can, you know, stay in Europe and come into the league two or three years if he improves as a non-drafted free agent. All right. And that's also probably one of the most complete profiles you will ever hear <laughs> about Amine Nua in a podcast for um, rapid fire sake, especially moving on to one of Ignacio's um, guys. He mentioned to me that previously I had not seen on much radars at all. Carlos Allison or Alice Alison. I don't know uh, out of uh, Real Zaragoza or uh, Zaragoza. Sorry. I, I muffed up Spanish, even though I've been taking it for five years. So uh, no, no, that, that was, that was really good pronunciation actually. Um, Alosin is a six foot four point guard. This is mostly uh, Alosin didn't enter his name on the draft, but I think he's the best guy who didn't put his name in the draft this year. So take it as something uh, as a synopsis for what uh, next year's draft is is going to bring to us. Um, six foot four point guard uh, playing for Saragossa, playing really important minutes in one of the most competitive leagues in the world, uh, beyond the NBA, obviously, in the Spanish ACB. I love how uh, Alasen just, he's a floor general. He controls the tempo of the game. He can pass on all levels of the floor. He can make really good passes in transition. He can make really good passes on the move, and he can make really, really good reads in the half court. Um, the thing with the Lawson always wa- was uh, there were two things actually with the Lawson uh, offensively: um, can he get to the rim, and can he shoot the basketball? And this year, he answered to one of those, which is shooting the basketball. He became a really uh, good shooter. Uh, he started actually shooting the ball really well at the under-18 tournaments for Spain. And then this year at, at Zaragoza, he uh, continued to be a really good shooter. Uh, I don't have his percentages. Uh, 38% uh, on two attempts per game, uh, playing 29 games at the ACB. So um, he is a pass-first point guard who can really shoot the ball. Um the getting to the rim part is still a concern. Um, he kind of tries to shy away much of finishing at the rim. He He's like one step from the rim and he prefers to make a pass to a teammate that's contested than actually trying to get a layup. At times I feel like he's scared of getting his shot blocked and that shouldn't really happen. Um, Two more things with Alasen before we move on to the last guy. Um, he's six foot four, so he's big for a point guard. Not like huge, but he has really good size for a point guard. He can make plays over smaller defenders, and I think that size is something that's going to hold up to the NBA. And the second thing, he's the youngest. Pro- if he would have entered entered the draft, he's the youngest prospect in this draft because he was born in December 30 of 2000. So next year, for next year's draft, he's still going to be 19 years old. So um, this is a guy that, you know, draft people should keep an eye on for, for next year. So um, one more name left on the list. Alexander Bostoraski, however, he's also nicknamed Oleg because yeah. it's Russian. 
So um, plays for Herbalife Gran Canaria. Um, without further ado, the lob and the jam, Ignacio. Finally, we were getting to the end of this. Um, uh, Alexander Balsarovsky, this is a, another guy that I don't think stays in the draft. Uh, that's why we're doing a, a rapid fire on him. But I think he's really worth tracking down. Uh, 7.1 Polish um, center that plays for that really good team that is Gran Canaria in terms of uh, getting younger prospects. And they they have one of the best, like they call it in Spain, one of the best canteras, one of the best, you know, just factories of, of young players. Um, and Balsarowski, what I like about him is that at his seven foot one size, he's really fluid. Uh, he can even handle the ball in, in space, which is impressive for someone his size. And this year, he added the consistency on, on the jumper, um, which is on a small sample, but something that is really good to see on a 7-foot-1 player. The thing with Balsarowski and what he will need to address at some point is the lack of rim protection for his size. Uh, this is a guy that uh, he's not super explosive at seven foot uh, one, and you know the measurements. I I don't have the wingspan measurements. He doesn't really look that that long. So and he has really low block numbers, uh, which is concerning for his size. But I think once he gets more strength, this is a guy that really knows how to defend from a standstill, defend uh, with his chest. Uh, and I think once he gets more strength, he can be a more impactful defender, even though he's never going to be like this true rim protector. Um, and the other thing we need to see on him, and this is for those who are going to see the FIBA tournaments uh, this summer, is just how consistent he's going to be because he had a really good basketball without borders camp last year. Uh, then he, I thought he was disappointing at the under-18 uh, FIBA tournaments, the Division B playing for Poland, and then he had a really good season for Gran Canaria. So what Balsarowski are we going to get this summer and, and next season? So if he can find some consistency there, this is a guy that to at least follow for next year. All right, and with that being said, there is... Not another name we're going to break down, but there is one more name to at least briefly mention, and that is because he is Javier Pascara's guy, apparently, <laughs> ranking him really highly on the guard list for this class. Um, Sergi Garcia plays for um, Valencia, uh, also a team in the EuroLeague as well. Uh, just literally just a brief mention because we none of us have really anything to say about him. But if Pascara, I like I like what Pascara has to say, at least some of the most of the time. So uh, probably someone to go and at least take a look at and decide for yourself what you think about him. But uh, that's everything for this podcast. Can we just give ourselves a round of applause? We kept it under two hours for a bunch of mostly irrelevant <laughs> European prospects who might never see the NBA. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm- I'm don't, sorry. Don't be sorry. You 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 broke them down like incredibly well, and Ugh, I I tried to add stuff where I could, but I mean you made it definitive, man. Like you might cut God. it up into three parts. Uh, maybe <laughs> I can cut it up into irrelevant guys, irrelevant guys, and honorable mention guys. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Even, not, not, I don't. I mean, just cut the guys into two parts, and then add our irrelevant talk that we threw <sighs> in throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, there's, like, once we get past, like, Bowen, honestly, relevance, like, Makoka might be relevant, and then Abua, who knows, and then, like, blah, after that. I, I think, like, you can get drafted. I think oh, like he could get, get drafted, drafted, but is he deserved think, to get drafted? Yeah, I think, I think Basley can, like we talked about earlier, I think Basley can get drafted on, on Mystery alone. On or on, you know, just having doing a favor to reach Paul, who I think is his agent. So uh, yeah. I I think he can draft it can get drafted on that alone. Uh, but yeah, it's like you said, do they deserve to get drafted? Yeah, who knows? 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, a lot of these guys, at the minimum, are going to be making plenty of money over in Europe if they never see an NBA floor. Yeah. So if you are a EuroLeague basketball fan, a lot of these guys are going to be sticking around in the future. So um, with that being said, this has been another episode of the Third Round Picks, the second feature on International Prospects for the 2019 class. There will not be another one for this class. However... Um, later in this, uh, during the summer after the, uh, U19 world cup, or is it under 20? I'm not sure which it is. Um, uh, Ignacio, if you would like to come back with us sometime during that period of time and recap what went down over that tournament, that'd be awesome. I'll be happy to, I, I had a blast, uh, doing this podcast as, as usual. So I'll, I'll be back. Yeah, you underrate your ability to speak English, by the way. It's excellent. So. <laughs> I oh, forgot thank- that was even a thing. I, I forgot that was even a thing. Definitely thank God. No, you around no in, in one part, and, and I'm sorry to Jalen Lequeux, in one part, I wanted to say he could leap out of the building, and I say he could jump out of the building. Uh, so please uh jalen uh don't jump out of the building uh yes, we need, to, we need you it. to stay alive it's not worth it but yes, otherwise no. uh th- thanks i i think i i got this english thing i need i need the cue to stay alive so that way he can go to crispier <laughs> damn it so <laughs> right. i'm just gonna start that rumor so <laughs> screw it anyway um i had uh, a blast thanks for I having did. Thanks, thanks for coming on. You really make this like one of the best like international podcasts you could probably listen to out there right now. Like us, there's us, there's this podcast, and then there's Stepian related podcasts. So, yeah. and that's like pretty much it in terms of people who have done a singular international podcast with this much feature. Um, but anyway, you can find Ignacio, the guest of Extreme Honor, uh, on Twitter at Iyerball E Y R E Ball. Uh, and then also his work, of course, on the Stepian and on his YouTube channel. Uh, I recently saw you make like a one-minute video about a guy's sh- five keys to this guy's shooting ability that I never heard about. So, yeah, he's a he's a two thousand and one uh, sorry two thousand and one born uh, guy, so he's eligible for twenty twenty. If you're interested in uh, in the future guys and Mike. You, you talked about not uh, falling in love with more French prospects. But if you want to <laughs> fall in love with more French prospects, uh, you should uh, check out my uh, columns uh, on, on the 2020 international class at, at the Stepien. So oh, Killian Hayes, baby. But, uh, he's not 2020, but he's future for sure. There's no, so he, many French guys coming up. Or is he 2020? I thought he was 2021. He's 2020. He, uh, Theo Maledon, uh, Malcolm Castellan, uh, Timothy Crusoe is actually making some uh, big boards I've seen lately, which I don't understand, but whatever. It's still early. And Maxime Coren. So the French generation, uh, the 2001 generation is completely stacked. So, but we'll we'll have time to discuss this in the future for sure yeah especially with the world cup coming up but congratulations we've officially crossed the two-hour mark y'all oh so so much for that we're gonna hard hey we're gonna finish (laughs) we're gonna cap this off and also whenever i cut down the irrelevant talk it'll be all right all right but um Bibbins, you can find Bib. I keep calling last name. I'm I mean, that is my name. So yes, it is. Call me by your name anyway. Uh, at <laughs> at Bibbs, at Bibbs on Twitter, and also at Bibbs Corner for basketball only. Um, you can find his work about uh TV shows and Netflix on Netflix Life and Hidden Remote for both of those. Uh, and then the basketball pieces, and I think you might have had some old film reviews, but no new film reviews on bibscorner.com. And yeah, I do some new stuff over there, too. Oh, you do? So that's awesome as well. And then also he'll have uh, the 2013 and 2014 um, draft retrospective pieces coming out soon. Yes. All right. Should, should be and, fun. <laughs> and then um, also you can find uh, Richard Stamen at MazDraft on Twitter, <laughs> MazDraft.com. Soon to be back on this podcast. We are all greatly in a wreck of our life right now, and we are all just trying to get through this really crappy month of May. And then, you know, maybe next week we'll all be together because it'll be the draft lottery and the Mads will have Zion and we'll have a two hour podcast celebrating his arrival. But um, 
Yes, I'm still on this. I don't care. Anyway, finally, you can find me on Twitter at Max Scouts, and then my work, some some work, preseason work, unlock draft, new work will be coming there as well. Whenever draft season truly arrives, and then uh, also some Mavericks related pieces on the DallasProspect.com. Uh, leave us any feedback uh, throughout the social media channels, and we greatly appreciate y'all for listening to this episode. And peace.